Hello, everyone. Welcome to Canaan STL Podcast. This is Pastor Daniel, and I'm here today with Pastor Martin. This podcast is brought to you by Canaan Baptist Church, where we exist to connect you to what matters most, to God, to people, and to purpose. All right, well, Pastor Martin, today we're talking about Daniel 2, and uh, you know, we talked to Justin, who preached the message on this past Sunday. He couldn't be here today to, to do the podcast, but um, did a great message talking. You know, for, we had Youth Sunday, which was mm-hmm. pretty exciting. See teenagers up on the stage and all around taking leadership roles. It was it was really good, really exciting. Yeah. But, you know, one thing that uh, I thought Justin brought out a lot about Daniel too was really good. But one thing in particular was the fact that Daniel and his three friends, Hanani, Michelle, and Azariah. Yeah. They were most likely 17, 18 years old. Yeah. They were young. How does that change your view of this whole book? Well, I think typically um, when we think of leadership, we think of people who have been tested, um, that are skilled, that are bringing maybe experience to the game. But it is interesting in this um, in this story, you know, and I think, I think there was three exiles uh, that the Babylonians did with Israel. There was one in 605, one in 597, and then the ultimate one in 586 yep. when right. they destroyed right. Jerusalem. But this one I think is like the 605, so it's it early on. That's correct. And, you know, I think probably too, it's kind of like God's MO, right? He takes the weak things mm. – and he uses the weak things to confound the wise. He takes he takes the things that, uh, you know, the he comes at it from an angle of of basically it's always the underdog. It's always the David over the Goliath, right? Mm. It's the cross mm. that's the curse that conquers. And yep. here we see it again with these teenagers. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, what's yeah. it's super fascinating um, because I mean you're you're pastor of families and children here at, at Canaan. And we just see such an important role for mm. the young generation, not just because they're tomorrow's leadership, but because they are today's also. Right. As we see with Daniel and his friends. Also, you look at the New Testament, you look at the 12 yeah. disciples. I think we've talked about on this podcast before um, that probably every one of the disciples except Peter was under the age of 21. Right. Um, we get that because only Peter and Jesus paid the temple tax, which is mm. only to be paid by those 21 and older. So there's, there's good, there's good biblical mm-hmm. suggestion that they were teenagers, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, and you look throughout history, you look at like the first great awakening. And even yeah. though you had the preachers like a Jonathan Edwards and a George Whitfield, mm-hmm. who were the preachers during the first great awakening, who was it that really led the charge? It was the younger yeah, generation, right. you know, yep. and um, so the the young generations play such a pivotal mm-hmm. role. I thought that was great that that Justin brought that out. Just because you know, then you read Daniel one, Daniel two, yeah. and Daniel three. We're going to cover this Sunday. Just the boldness mm-hmm. of these teenagers in their faith. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, and you know, we don't when we have amazing teenagers, but we don't always see that kind of level of faith and maturity. In, yeah, and the teenagers of today, even in my generation, in our generation, you know, I look back when I was a teenager. Yeah. I, no way was I a Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, or Azariah. You know, I was kind right. of a punk, right? right? What What is it? I mean, what yeah. What do you think were the conditions then that are different than now, to where we don't see, you know. I mean, maybe Daniel and his friends were the exception. Maybe they were, you know, maybe the teenagers of Daniel's day had the same issues as ours yeah. do today. But what do you think some of the differences are, though, that prevents us from Christian families being able to grow and raise the kind of teenagers? Mm-hmm. Right now, I kind of think we're in the mode of we're trying to survive teenage right. to get them to maturity. But, man, Daniel, they were teenagers. And they already had yeah. that maturity. 
What's yeah. the difference? I know there's yeah. a lot of factors there. What are well, some of them? Yeah, well, I think you you pointed out something. You know, when you were a kid, you you know you may not have the spiritual maturity, but the one thing I bet you did have was I bet you were riskier back then, right? You were uh, willing to take risks. Yeah. And you know, scientifically, I heard this. I heard this talk on uh, Focus on the Family not too long ago, and they were just talking about how kids' prefrontal cortex is not fully formed, and they make rash decisions when they're young. Yes. Say so, that. Say that term again. The who to be, what to be. Yeah, the prefrontal cortex. The right? prefrontal cortex. Yeah, that right. that's that's developed like into the early twenties. Okay, and that helps you. That makes you know all of your decisions about. So it's a part of the brain. Yep, it's a part, part of the brain okay. that has to do with like prudence. Hmm. <laughs> you know, and being thoughtful, um, where young people seem to rush into things. Yeah. Right. And that's why we don't give, you know, I mean, 16 years old is still pretty early to give a kid, you know, keys to a car. Yeah. And sometimes we find that out, you know? So I think there's probably that factored with the fact when you look at Daniel, it's a little bit of a different situation where, you know, all the way back in Daniel chapter one, you're seeing him take a stand actually on the word of God, the Levitical right. laws. Absolutely. So he had some foundation laid from his family from the word of God that was his compass. It wasn't just that he was risky. Yeah. You know, you look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Mishael, Nazariah, whatever, yep. and, and you think, man, these guys were crazy because of the fiery furnace. But again, they knew the stories. Mm -hmm. They knew the stories uh, from the Exodus. That's right. They knew the stories of the miracles of God providing for their people throughout time. Mm. Um, and, you know, they, they'd they heard the stories of David and Goliath, of the kingdoms, yeah. and of the curse of those who don't follow God and the blessing for those who do follow God. So right. I, I think the foundation was there, but at the same time, there is something about the young taking risks. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And that's, I think it's a beautiful picture of both sides of those, where they were getting the, the biblical foundation yeah. they needed at home. You know, I know this yeah. coming Sunday's Mother's Day, and um, we'll be looking at, you know, Daniel chapter 3 through the view the lens of Mother's Day. So yeah. there'll be some mention of, you know, what man, what what kind of mom did mm. Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azra yeah. have to have to instill that kind of faith in those kids, you know? Yeah, right. What did they have to see mirrored? Um, you know, in, their, in that life. I think of a quote by John Wesley one time. He said that I learned more theology from my mother mm. than all of the scholars in Europe. Yeah. And, you know, that's the same woman who, whenever she'd get overwhelmed, would stick her head down inside of her... In her apron. In her apron that's and right. pray. That's right. <laughs> exactly right. And the kids knew so. that when Susanna Wesley, mama... Was in, under her apron. They didn't yeah. mess with her. No, not at all. That's prayer time. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, what a great model. Yeah. Little one so, one room house. That's right. They had what seventeen kids? It was some crazy number. Yeah, it was a crazy number. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, it would be yeah. a TV show today. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, but what great mom. So on the one on the one side, you have that. You have mm -hmm. the the firm foundation that had been laid mm -hmm. for them. Yeah. But then you have their boldness. They're like you called it the risk taking yeah. factor. Mm -hmm. Which yeah, when we're younger, we're much more into taking risks yeah. and doing crazy things. Yeah. You know. Um, so it's a good balance if you mm -hmm. when you have that firm foundation, then to couple that with risk taking. Right. I think that's why it's a, a genius thing that's going on right now. And just even at the Southern Baptist Convention level yeah. is this push to encourage our 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 high school students to consider this thing called a gap year. Yeah. 
Right. Or to con- to convince our college students that, hey, between you graduating college and going right into your career, yeah. take a year, take right. two years, and just right. give that time to the Lord. Yep. Go serve somewhere. Go serve on, yeah. with the IMB overseas. Mm-hmm. Do something because you're not going to have that kind of freedom, opportunity, flexibility, right. or that youthful, risk-taking yep. ethos about yep. you right. uh, again. So I think it's genius to yeah. encourage both of those. Plus – if we have an 18-year-old, just graduates high school, goes on a gap year, does missions, mm-hmm. it's going to open their eyes, open their mind to all that the Lord's doing. Yeah, and sure. I mean, it's just, it'll radically impact worldview. It will. And I, you know, the it's sad to say, but the cults sometimes, they do it way better than us. You know, uh, Mor- Mormons do that with all their kids. Yep. When their kids are in high school, they go to seminary every day before high school. And with a plan towards doing a two-year mission as soon as they graduate. Well, this new thing within Christian life, you know, evangelical Christian life called the gap year, I think is very, very healthy for young people to consider. Mm-hmm. Like you said, they don't have all the trappings of, of family, financial right. debt, those kind of things. Yep. Um, so even like an idea might be saving toward that gap year or planning on it early yep. if a kid wants to do that. And and you know what is interesting? I, I don't know if there's a big delineation between the word risk and faith. Hmm. Yeah. You know, it might be interesting to kind of parse those out, but truly like all faith takes some risk, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Risk is kind of inherent in the idea yeah, of faith. That's right. Absolutely. And so I would challenge our young people to really consider that for the glory of God. And what may happen is they get out in the field and they love it. And they're like, you know what? I want to give my life to this. Mm. Yeah, so. that's exactly right. And they'll always have, even if God doesn't lead them to do that vocationally, Yeah. They'll always have those memories, and they will, yep. I mean, without a doubt, they're going to see God do some really amazing things yeah. in mission, from saving people to open yep. up doors of opportunity to answering prayers, um, and just them growing in their faith as they're trusting in the Lord one day at a time. Yeah. It's just a power, yeah. it can be a powerful experience yeah. that will forever shape their 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 walk with Jesus, yeah. their worldview, um, yeah. and their interpretation of, of life experiences. Yeah. You know, you, know you, you brought up a question earlier, and... I, I'm kind of. I keep thinking about it in my mind, kind of coming back to it. So, what are your thoughts on this? And maybe you know we were kind of comparing. Okay, you've got American culture today, and you've got our kids, our teenage kids, kind of. You know, this is this is the this is the water they're swimming in, right? Yep. This is just the the facts of of where we're at right now. And then you've got Daniel during his time and his people being under the oppression of the Babylonian Empire. And persecution was always kind of a part of life, Mm -hmm. right? They were always like a vassal to another kingdom. So do you think maybe just like knowing that you're persecuted or you're in this more difficult situation made for more kind of like religious soldiers in a sense? Or do you feel like maybe just the ease that we have it here creates kind of a more indifferent Mm. environment? Is that is? Do you think Uh, that might be part of the problem? That's a huge part of it. A huge yeah. part of it. And one thing about persecution, well, the whole thing in history is yeah. that the blood of the martyrs is the seat of the church. Right. I think it's true for, for multiple reasons, but at every level, anytime there's persecution, there's also an innate maturity that's going to come about with that. Right. That makes you sense. Know, that yeah. is going to drive mm-hmm. a level of wisdom and decision making. You know, if, if, you know, well, hey, if I don't share Jesus, it's not a big deal. That's one thing. But hey, if, if I do share Jesus, I could lose my life over it. But is it really worth it? I mean, you you just go to a whole nother level of evaluating 
Yeah, that that separates the players, right? Absolutely. Right yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just just living in a constant sense of persecution. Yeah. Uh, you you just gonna when your life's on the line or the life of your family's on the line as a mm. teenager, you're you're just gonna make some better decisions, right? You know. But right now, I mean, there's no major threats, yeah. uh, at least religiously speaking, in our nation, at least not yet. Yeah. So there's not that sense of maturity and taking it seriously. Right. It's it's you know. So those those teenagers who really take their faith seriously are awesome, but they're not the norm. Yeah. Even right. in church church right. life, you know. Right. Um. So yeah, I think totally that that persecution brings a a soberness, uh, a much more um, what's the word I'm looking for? A much more intentional analysis yeah. of faith and consequences that like most American teenagers don't deal with today. Yeah, you you more you sit down like Jesus said, and you you count the cost of building absolutely. the tower, right? Yeah, absolutely. You don't get involved in this if you <laughs> because if there's going to be a great cost. Um, in what was it? I think it was Bunyan who said, uh, you know, um, Christians are like bells. The, la- the harder you hit them, the louder they ring. So mm. there's this, you know, this refining, this, yeah. this, um, power that mm-hmm. comes, this Holy Spirit power that comes out of those who are really following in the midst yeah. of difficulty. And we see yeah. that, I mean, Daniel's an inspiring book, but it is interesting. I've always thought this about Daniel because Daniel's what, 12 chapters mm-hmm. long? Yeah, 12 chapters. You got 12 chapters. Not counting the Apocrypha. Not counting the Apocrypha. There you go. So you've, you've got these 12 chapters, right? And think about out of those 12 chapters, during the the um, the exile, you only have really four mm. truly faithful Israelites mentioned. Yeah. And how many people are exiled? I mean, so that goes to show you they were probably swimming upstream even with their own people. Yeah, they were against the grain even right? with their own yeah. people. That's right. So. Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and I wonder something else. You know, you mentioned uh, the study that I've heard before about the what you call it, the prefrontal lobe, how yeah, it doesn't yeah. develop. And mm-hmm. I wonder, I wonder if the the formation development of the prefrontal lobe is accelerated with stress hmm. and fear, and you know, yeah, because right. you have history where teenagers make some really wise decisions when they're faced with really yeah. tough situations. Right? Maybe yeah. the ease of our culture has delayed the. <laughs> I would like to. See, I would like to see some kind of some kind of scientific yeah. study on that. You know, yeah. that's an interesting thought. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't you don't have many forty five year old guys. You know, at night driving their car and turning their headlights off, just see how long they can go without them. All, you know, on and then flipping them back on. Yeah. But so, I remember me and my teenage buddies say, doing that, that a few like times. That, that you, that you Com- personally. Completely idiotic. You know what else is funny is Amy and I talk about just like risk taking when we were young and stuff. She was the first one man to like bungee jump. Really? You know, oh, she was crazy, you know. And even for me, I was like, "Wow, she's she's kind of nuts." But when I was getting ready to be forty, and I was like, "Hey, let's let's jump out of an airplane," she's like, "No way!" Yeah, I was like, "It's true. probably way safer than like bungee jumping." And she's like, "Uh, uh-uh. uh, just age. That some... prefrontal cortex yep. got developed, you yep. know, yep. which means mine may not have." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's so. it's interesting. But that was a fascinating thing that Justin brought out about uh, Daniel and his friends, just their youthfulness. Yeah, and, and yeah. yet. Um, the strong stances mm-hmm. that they they take, even in their mm-hmm. youthful condition, um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. And then, of course, he brought out you know the, the Daniel two has the the dream of mm-hmm. Nebuchadnezzar, and it's really fascinating. Nebuchadnezzar demands that his his wise men not only tell him the meaning of his dream, but also tell him tell the dream. What was the dream? Yeah, yeah, Which, that's impossible, right? Yeah, right, yeah. right. Which you know shows a lot about Nebuchadnezzar and what he thought of his mm-hmm. wise men. He didn't trust them. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> he did not. Tr- what, why would, right. what would be the different reasons he would not trust his wise men? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess he thinks that they're going to make up some kind of phony, right? Interpre- yeah. Just to get just to get by. Yeah. Uh, he wanted that, but you know, it's interesting. You, you brought this up the other day. We had a guy here the other day. Uh, his name is Hermes Moshi, who actually is a pastor of an Iraqi church here. Yep, the Arabic Baptist Church. He's the pastor. And, yeah. And and do you remember what he did when he was in Iraq? He was Saddam Hussein's personal chef. That's right. Amazing. That's right. And he said he had these palaces stretched out all over Iraq in different places, but he would only hire Christians. To serve as his chefs. Yeah, and why, why? And why was that? Because he knew Christians wouldn't poison him. Yeah, he trusted. But him. he didn't trust his own men. That's right. And that's kind of a similar situation. Absolutely. Here. Yeah, he, he was afraid of a coup. Yeah. Of an of an uprising, he knew the Christians wouldn't do that. Right. Um, so yeah, kind of the same situation, I think. Yeah. With Nebuchadnezzar, absolutely. these were Nebuchadnezzar's guys. I mean, yeah. I think historically Nebuchadnezzar had not been king very long at all. Yeah, when he when they besieged Jerusalem, when he got Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, yeah, uh, his father Nabopolassar, these were probably his leftover guys, yeah, yeah, and um and maybe some others, right? Could have been some sifting going on. Yeah, so yeah. he was trying to Nebuchadnezzar trying to figure out his team, and uh, interestingly, like yeah. Saddam Hussein, mm-hmm. who went with Christians, now Nebuchadnezzar goes with Jewish. Yeah, it's fascinating. Something? Yeah, same country, mm-hmm. same 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 city, anyway. Now, that's interesting. I yeah. hadn't thought of that. I mean, Baghdad is, is where ancient Babylon was. Good connection. Yeah. Good connection. Hermes could be related never know, to right? Nebuchadnezzar, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. crazy. It is. But yeah, that's really fascinating, just the level of trust. Mm-hmm. And so God uses that because of Daniel and his friend's faithfulness. Yeah. God opened up favor mm-hmm. for them yeah. and strategically placed them for years to come. Mm-hmm. To serve him and their people. Mm. Oh, what a great lesson for us. If we would just honor God, no matter yeah. what we face, mm-hmm. God's going to show us favor. He's going to put us where he wants us to do great things for his glory and for the benefit yeah. of God's people. Yep. We could just hold on to that, those simple type truths yeah. and not forget those. Mm-hmm. It would be, we would be so much further along in kingdom expansion and yeah. our own walk with Jesus. You Amen, know. and this is a young, these are young guys who are great models for the whole church That's for exactly all time, right. yep. and I love that absolutely. And we need some of them at Canaan, you know. Yeah, and I think there's some already here, but yep. we pray that there's a lot more. Absolutely, we pray that we raise up more. That's right in the future. Yep. That's right. Well, it's good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Well, if you have any questions or comments, be sure to send them our way at info at CanaanSTL.org. Um, until next time, we'll. Have a great rest of the week. God bless. We'll see you next time on Canaan STL Podcast.